All right. Well, good morning, apes. Thank you, everybody, for joining me here today. And most importantly, happy Friday. Happy December to everybody out there. Today is, of course, Friday, December 1st. It is 9.35 a.m. We're getting started here with the Daily Peel live stream. Hope everybody's having a great week and is excited for an even better weekend. Markets are off to a typically boring start here this morning, just like they kind of have been all week. Nobody really knows what to do because there's not exactly a whole lot going on. We're still in kind of that hangover from the beautiful weekend of consumer spending that we had a couple weeks ago. Now, there should be some more solidified data coming out on that stuff to give us a bit of an indication. But we did get a much more kind of comprehensive, I would say, spending report here today. In the Or yesterday we got it, uh, but we'll be talking about it today. In the PCE report or the personal consumption and expenditures. Basically, this is going to be the Fed's favorite inflation rating. Also gives us a little bit of data on uh, consumer spending. But... Before we dive in here, of course, we are coming at you live from the Daily Peel Global Headquarters. Like we said, markets are up relatively flat here today. Now, we didn't get a chance to go live yesterday. I'm sure most of you were just crying in your bedrooms, not seeing us on the live stream. I do apologize for that. It was a busy day over here at the Daily Peel Global Headquarters. But that should be the last day that we miss. This is going to become the regular time going forward. It's going to be right around 9.15 Eastern time. So all you Californians better get ready to be up nice and early. Maybe playing in the background while you're shaving, in the shower, doing whatever else weird shit you do before you go into work. But before we dive into the news of yesterday, we're going to have to go back to the day prior's edition because one of the absolute most bold, funniest, and absolutely insane business decisions I've ever seen uh, occurred on Thursday here. So I do believe we have a, a video for it instead of me just telling you about it. So if we can go ahead and play that here now. Now let me see if I'm I can today. stop. You hope, uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's gonna try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go f yourself. But go f yourself. Is that clear? I hope it is. <laughs> I mean, I still, it gets me every time. I've probably watched it a hundred times since that happened on Wednesday. And at this point, especially in the timeline of news coming out on X, this is old news, but still we had to talk about it because, you know, Elon Musk is known for his bold business decisions. That's very true. I mean, starting a car company in the United States in the 21st century itself is a bold decision. But I think he's, you know, truly proved his biggest innovation so far yet is actually telling customers to go fuck themselves. I mean, I didn't read that in any of my business school books back when back in the day when I was in school or anything. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I was so glad to see it because it was one of the funniest and most entertaining things I've ever seen come out of corporate America, and we need more of that. So that was pretty hysterical. I'm very pro CEOs telling their customers to go fuck themselves. One of the worst things is this idea of the customer is always right. In my experience, the customer is pretty much always wrong, but hey, of course, when it comes to the daily peel, whatever you guys say goes. And speaking of that, Let's go ahead and dive into today's edition. So taking a look at markets yesterday, kind of a recap, like we alluded to at the beginning here, pretty boring day, but it was interesting to see the S&P and the Russell actually tied rising 38 basis points, whereas the WSO Alpha portfolio, drastic underperformance. I don't know what those guys are doing over there. Only 25 basis points on the day. Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, seems like they could really use some help. If anybody's an analyst out there, definitely shoot us a resume or something like that. We could use all the help in the world. Treasury yields didn't really know what to do in the meantime either. There was a big-time inflation report yesterday. Everybody loves the PCE report, especially the Federal Reserve. So that's why everybody kind of pays attention to it. Because even though it's still a rather delayed measure and it's not really that much better than the CPI report, it is the Fed's preferred measure. 
So because that's what the FOMC goes off of, that's what all marketing kind of Fed watchers are going to do. But still, Treasury yields had a fairly minimal reaction. 10-year rose to 4.3%, two-year spike. Uh, pretty in, in like the immediate aftermath, the two-year spiked up to about 4.8%, but then trended lower all day, finishing at around 47 So we'll see how that goes today. If that, uh, that that was a solid uptake from where they closed the day before. We'll see if that can get held throughout today's session and over the weekend, but who knows? It's only one day, so it's a very small sample size to be judging that reaction based on. But hey, either way, we're here for it. Getting into some banana bits, the Dow Jones, an index that absolutely nobody should care about because it's complete nonsense. It's 30 stocks randomly chosen, they're price-weighted. I don't know why anybody pays attention to it. I'm pretty sure it's because it's been around for more than 100 years. And that's what all of the all the boomers in finance right now, or should I say finance as they would say it, their grandfathers paid attention to the Dow and their grandfathers' grandfathers paid attention to the Dow. So it's one of those things. But honestly, I'd be cool if we chucked it by the wayside here. But still, it did close at its highest level since January 2022 yesterday. Santa Claus rally is in full bloom. We'll see if that can continue throughout December. But it definitely got started early here in November. Maybe it was more of a turkey rally, but I'm definitely not going to be out here coining terms. So we can go ahead and just move on and realize that global stocks made it even better. So they had their best month in the past three years in November, according to the Financial Times. Now, I don't pay for the expensive Financial Times subscription, so I couldn't read this article either. But either way, maybe some of you out there can read it. Moving on down below. Uh, OpenAI, I mean, they went through a lot of shenanigans last week. We definitely talked about that. Maybe even we talked about it a little bit too much, but still, even after one of the biggest shit shows in the history of Silicon Valley, corporate America, Wall Street, the stock is still, or the company is still valued at $86 billion. They're going through with that tender offer just on a little bit of a delay, and that is going to be the value of the company. Coinbase as well, I mean, these guys are just absolutely dominating. They had probably the best month in all of Wall Street uh, throughout November. We saw Sandbank and Freed get sent to, well, we saw the guilty verdict. Sentencing is still a long ways away. I believe that's supposed to be coming in about March. But we're willing to wait if they do put them away for, of course, those multiple decades, like everybody's hoping. Now CZ, Chengpeng Zhao, CEO and founder of Binance. That guy, it's looking pretty likely that he's probably going to be going to prison as well, despite paying $50 million there. Coinbase doesn't give a damn because their stock was up 60% in the meantime. I think we can see who the real winner is or who the winner has been so far, and that is regulated to centralized exchanges. All the crypto bros are going to come at me for that, so please shoot me an email, respond in the comments, and tell me how wrong I am. Love to talk about it. Now, moving on down below, we can get into the macro story of the day, and that was, of course, PCE Peace. The reason we're calling it PCE Peace here is because that's really what it was. The story of this report is that there really was no story. It's kind of everything that's been going on so far. It was a very live, laugh, love report. Uh, now, as cringy as those signs are and everything, we, of course, we're going to start minting some of the Daily Peel brand, let's say employment, inflation, and interest rates. I mean, I think that's purely poetic. I think the economy would move a lot better if we all had that hung up instead of live, laugh, love. So maybe buy that for your mom as a Christmas present. I'm sure she would love it. But either way, we can live, laugh long enough. We can fix, if we live, laugh long enough, we can fix all of our problems just by doing nothing, I'm sure. And that seems to be what's going on with inflation here. You know, the past two Fed meetings have been holds even way back in uh, June. We had a hold originally. And so Fed really hasn't been doing too much lately and inflation has still continued its downtrend. We can go ahead and take a look at this Wall Street Journal article where they talk about a lot of the same stuff that we did here today. So they produced this really pretty chart of personal consumption expenditure. That's why we wanted to showcase it. So as you can see, this was kind of the peak of overall inflation. What the Fed really cares about is going to be core. Again, this strips out food and energy because food and energy, despite being the most important expenses, the things that we need to actually survive, those prices are a little bit too volatile for us. So we don't care about that. 
But if we go ahead and take a look down below, core inflation is at 3.46. Hasn't been this low since about April of 2021. That's multiple years. It's moving in the right direction. I mean, how much more evidence do we need before we can be convinced that inflation is on the retreat? I think the Federal Reserve, they really... They know that they're not going to be raising interest rates anymore, would kind of be our takeover here at the data peer global headquarters. But again, if they come out and say it, that changes everything. It's very much a Hawthorne effect. That's why we call it the Jade Hawthorne effect. And it's something that we'll probably be talking about on Monday's edition. Um, now, speaking of kind of getting into the core PCE a little bit more, it's just like the CPI, but the reason that the Fed likes it a little bit more than the CPI is because it's rebalanced more often. It has less of a weighting towards that garbage owner's equivalent rent metric, um, and it's something that we can actually use. It's not all noise like a lot of the CPI report is. Either way, don't really have much further to comment on inflation, which is very surprising, but I love to say it because in the last two years, Inflation has really been everything. It's become pretty much a monthly Super Bowl for Fed watchers and for market watchers more generally. But now it's something that we just kind of put by the wayside. So uh, we definitely hope to see that continue to go and we'll see what happens. We get a little bit of time before the next inflation report, about two weeks before CPI drops. And we'll definitely be keeping you updated at that point. Moving up down below is an absolutely phenomenal day to be uh, the cure of cancer. I mean, I think curing cancer has been something that we pretty much every single human since we discovered what cancer was has desired. I think we have discovered it and you apes just didn't tell me. I don't really know why everybody was keeping that a secret from me, but either way, that's how it worked out because apparently Abby is willing to spend $10.1 billion to buy uh, what sounds a lot like the cure to cancer for me. So Immunogen, they are a biotech company. They produce these things called ADCs or antibody drug conjugates. I'm not even smart enough to pretend like I know what that is. So we're just going to leave it as is. But what I read is that it's designed to kill cancer cells without harming healthy ones. Ah, uh, hello? Is that not exactly what we need? Like, I, somebody tell me why I'm wrong on that or what's going on here. I, I need the explanation from an actual smart person. But either way, Avi's going to be buying this company for $10.1 billion. It's a 95% premium to Wednesday's close. Despite that premium, Avi shareholders didn't give it damn. Most of the time, we see acquirers' stock fall on the acquisition because they're buying at such a premium that it's going to be diluted to shareholders, meaning that EPS is going to be reduced after the acquisition. This one is definitely dilutive in that sense. EPS is absolutely going to be reduced as they don't, Immunogen doesn't have earnings, so they don't have a PE. So it's going to be bringing that down, but shareholders didn't care because getting their hands on that ADC market is the most important thing in the biopharma industry right now. Place your bets carefully. Moving on down below, we can go ahead and take a look at Salesforce here. Salesforce did uh, report earnings. You know, they're keeping earnings season going alive and they followed the exact Zuckerberg playbook that the rest of Silicon Valley followed. They did it really well. Sales grew 11%, which is much slower than the normal kind of 20% sales we're used to seeing from Salesforce. But they, like everybody else and their mothers, are continuing to blame macro uncertainty for reduced business to business spending. That's kind of what we're seeing here. Although it was a solid quarter, I mean, $2.11 per share instead of $2.06. That's what you get after you destroy the livelihoods of plenty of your employees and cut costs in other ways. We love to see it. I mean, anything for the shareholder, right? And I mean, a 9.35% return in one day, we'll definitely take that. Moving on down below to Pure Storage, which I definitely knew was a data storage and not a physical storage company before I started writing about this stuff. Don't even ask me if I didn't know that because I clearly did. But anyway, this company did not do pretty well on earnings. They came out, it was actually a fine quarter. Everything kind of came in line with expectations, but then the market absolutely vomited when they started talking about next quarter. Uh, so they're expecting revenue far lower than kind of what was originally anticipated. But despite that, 
they're basically going with the same reason that Salesforce has reduced business business spending because of macro uncertainty. Nobody really cares about this stock, so we can just go ahead and move down to one that people actually know. Let's go ahead and talk about Ford a little bit. So they had a tough day yesterday. It wasn't necessarily because of any big, uh, you know, kind of immediate development like an earnings report or something, but it was that long ongoing UAW strike where all these workers were basically uh, striking and everything to get higher pay and whatnot. They definitely did that, and it cost for $1.7 billion in earnings so far. It's expected to cost an additional about $8.8 billion above what they would have paid throughout the life of the contract, which ends in about 2028. Obviously, investors weren't too happy to see that. But then again, this is the kind of thing that you just get used to over time. I mean, once it's in place, they got five years, four years, really, to kind of deal with this and work through it. So we're sure they'll kind of through some financial engineering, some other scumbaggery or bullshittery, they'll be able to keep those earnings up. But either way, investors weren't happy to see it down below. This was the funniest thing ever as well. You know, the other day we talked about comparing government versus government fights to those morons like Jake Paul, Logan Paul, KSI, and all the other idiots that square up against each other. But this time we're seeing a bunch of old dudes get in the ring. It's basically a 2v1 of two octogenarians versus one septuagenarian, meaning two 80-year-olds taking on a 70-year-old. This has got to be the funniest thing ever because these guys really should all just retire. Uh, but either way, let's go ahead and dive into it. So we're talking about old dudes here. Definitely not Bill Burr's movie Old Dads, which was actually pretty good. I definitely recommend it. It wasn't a blockbuster or anything, but it was fairly entertaining enough. Nelson Peltz, the CEO of Tryon, uh, Tryon Fund Management, is that what it's called? Yeah, Tryon Fund Management. This guy's 81 years old and he is still going. He's still grinding like just like David Goggins would. Uh, and he has he's basically looking to get a seat on Disney's board. He's actually looking to get two seats on Disney's board. Now, basically, to give a recap, earlier this year, we know that Peltz Australian Management was going after Disney. They were going after it for uh, basically encouraging them to cut costs and make Marvel an actual movie franchise again. And Disney's Bob Iger, when he returned as the CEO, he said that that was going to be two of their main focuses. Now, Peltz was able to kind of retreat back then. He had about an $800 million stake to his name at that point. Uh, so he retreated because Disney Bob Iger came out and said that they were going to do exactly what he wanted to do. Put that six months later, and Tryon is definitely not happy with the, what they've seen. So not only are they back, but they're coming back with weapons, just like the Terminator here. And that weapon is a guy by the name of Isaac or Ike Primutter. He's a former Disney executive. He would, oversaw kind of Ram Marvel Studios. Uh, allegedly, he wasn't the guy who made it so trash, but you know, I'm definitely not the one to comment on that. But the funny thing about Perlmutter is he is also old as fuck. And so these two 80-year-olds are kind of teaming up against the 72-year-old Bob Iger and seeing what's going on. Nelson Pelt is looking to get another Pelt from Disney here. We'll see if they're actually able to get uh, some board seats. It's not looking very likely given that Disney has already added two new board members and soon to be former Morgan Stanley CEO James Gorman as well as Sky TV head Jim, uh, Jeremy, excuse me, Darak. Don't know really much about Darak at all. Gorman is widely regarded as one of the best CEOs on Wall Street, so it's going to be tough for any fund manager to be mad when he gets added to the board. Either way, it's always funny to see people with gray hair and uh, throwing their fists flying. So that's pretty much what we're seeing here. It's definitely a funny story and one we can't wait to see what actually continues on. Now, getting on down into today's quote of the day, very applicable to the PCE report. We have economist Paul Samuelson saying, disinflation is like a cat. You can't really tame it. I couldn't agree more, especially because... Cats are just about the worst pet that you could probably have, that you could possibly have, in my opinion. These things are evil. I'm convinced that they're out to get me. And as we can see, this disinflation continuing. Paul Samuelson says, from beyond the grave, RIP, that 
Um, it's something that we can't tame, just like a cat who probably wants to skin you and eat you alive when you're asleep. Sorry for all the cat people out there, but they're objectively terrible. Either way, thank you guys so much for joining us here today. We will certainly be back uh, on Monday, and we can't wait to see you guys there. Have a great weekend and stay alive in between. We'll see you on Monday. Bye now. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.